Good morning, um, Stephen. And uh, we are beginning times of change. Uh, that's the title of today's message. Um, I mean, for all of us, right? Not just me, but for all of us. Our church is in a transition. And so we're going to talk about that today. Um, and a, a shout out to our kids, both here in the lot, as well as uh, those of you that are online, uh, in the room or on the couch. Um, kids, have you ever had a big change in your life? Um, maybe uh, if you're not homeschooled, it seems like every year when you go to school, you get a new teacher, right? And that new teacher can be a pretty significant change. Sometimes you like the new teacher um, even better. Sometimes there's things about the teacher that you don't like. Um, it's important for us to understand that God speaks to us during times of change. Um, God understands how difficult transitions can be, especially leadership transitions. And so we want to hear what God has to say to us, what God would have to say to us during a time of transition, a time of change like this. Um, I want to give you God's word because it has the power to build you up and to make you strong as you face the transition that is upon us. And this isn't just true for this next season as a church, but really in any circumstance that is unexpected in our lives, it's helpful for us to know that God's word deals with situations that are just like this. And so what's more important than who is your pastor? What's more important than who is your pastor? It's this. Are you following and serving Jesus? Are you following and serving Jesus? Like that's the most important thing about you. And it remains the same most important thing about you, no matter who your pastor is. God has designed changes, times of transition, specifically so that we could experience him in new ways. Like God is always present to us. God always wants to give us more of himself. And it's a, in a time like a transition where we get to draw closer to him. In every change in life, God wants to use that change to wake us up, to wake new parts of us up, and to remind us that he is the one thing. He is the one person who never changes. And so today we're going to look at a few leadership transitions in the Bible, okay? The first transition we're going to look at is the transition from Moses to Joshua, okay? From Moses to Joshua, now, Moses was one of the most famous, he's one of the greatest leaders in the Old Testament. Um, he led people to freedom after 400 years of slavery. So the entire nation of Israel was enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, and Moses led them out. He led them to the promised land, not once, but twice. Um, he led in glorious times, but also in times that were really, really difficult and so he led the people of Israel to see God's promises come true. And then he led people even through punishment and judgment. So good times and bad, he was the leader. And so when Moses died, when Moses died, like, of course, people were thinking, what are we going to do now? How can we keep going? And so Joshua steps in to lead. Joshua was... Um, like kind of a servant to Moses. He was kind of second in command under Moses. And Mo Joshua comes to step up and lead. But, but how can anyone replace Moses? And so because of this, God speaks. 
And so God says in Joshua, this is chapter one, verses six and seven. They're in your bulletin. They'll also be on the screens. God says, be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do all that the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And so this is God's word for us today. Be strong and courageous. Realize that in this transition, there is opportunity. God is going to do something really, really special. God said that to Joshua, and he says that to us today. God would say, grieve the loss. All change is a form of death. All kinds of change. Something dies, and then something else is reborn. And so grieve the loss, yes, but be strong going forward. Stand strong for yourself. Stand strong and help other people to get through this. There are people that are in our church who are going to need you to help them process this change and to work through it. God is saying here, look, Moses is dead, but I'm not dead, right? Moses is dead. God is not dead. God is alive and God is eager to work in the next chapter of his people's history. And so you can have courage, have courage, fortitude of spirit. Like know that God is ultimately the one in control. And so keep following him. Um, even if no one else around you is following him, you be the one who trusts God. You be the one who says, you know what? God is going to work something in this. I might not be able to see it, but I know it's coming because of who God is and how God loves us. Now, how can you do this? Well, Joshua 1 verse 9 tells us. There, God says, again, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Well, how? It's like, okay, fine. You can tell me to be strong and courageous. How do I do this? The rest of the verse. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So we can be these people. We can be strong and courageous because God is with us. Because God is with you. And all of his promises will come true for you, for our church. If you follow Jesus, God is with you. And so you want to be careful to follow God's word, right? That's what verse 7 says. You want to follow the way of life that God prescribes. Devote yourself to the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Discuss it in community. Encourage each other. Now, when God's people did this, they were blessed. The people of the Old Testament experienced incredible blessing. Their lives had meaning and significant significance. I mean, they were, they were different from the world around them. They were a light to the world. And they had power. They had confidence. They had assurance. And the same thing is true for us. I mean, I want you to, I want you to listen. Your normal life, your ordinary life, becomes extraordinary when you are honoring God in the midst of change. When things happen that you don't like, it is so easy for us 
to say, screw this, I'm out. Like, I am not going to deal, like, no. And you, I mean, to get bitter, to, to leave, to get angry, to, to sow division and discord, like, that's the temptation that we experience. But when you respond by trusting God, when you respond by following him, when you wake up tomorrow, when you go to work, when you respond to your family members or your roommates, like when you do those normal, ordinary things and you're trusting God, then your ordinary life becomes extraordinary because God is honored by what you're doing. Like God is honored by your reaction. And so during this transition, strong and courageous means that you devote yourself to Jesus and you strengthen this church family. You follow the leadership. And if you do these things, God will be honored and he will honor you. You will feel the smile of God on you. And there is nothing more powerful than that. Like I can tell you that from my experience, when everything in your life goes wrong, if you know that God if you know that you're following God and you're doing the best you can to trust him and to, to seek what he wants from you, like God smiles on you. So be strong and courageous. And in this, take a stand against the enemy that would want this church to wither away. Take a stand against the enemy that would try to convince you that there's no reason to stay. Take a stand with everyone else here that you are going to help this church grow stronger and even more committed to renewing the city of San Diego. The greatest gift that you could give, both to me as your soon-to-be former pastor, but more importantly, the greatest gift you could give to Jesus is to help Harbor City Church flourish and grow. So in this transition, be strong and courageous for God is with you. So we'll look at another transition. Next transition we'll look at is the transition from John the Baptist to Jesus. Okay, Jesus himself said something pretty remarkable about John the Baptist. He said that John the Baptist was the greatest person during the time of the Old Testament. In Matthew eleven eleven, it says, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus talking, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So I'll tell you later who is least in the kingdom of heaven, but this is profound. John the Baptist had a large following. He was a great leader. God was using him in powerful ways to turn an entire nation into the direction, turning them back to God and then ultimately turning them toward Jesus. But when Jesus showed up, people started following Jesus and they stopped following John, right? Well, his followers didn't like that. So his followers came to John and in John 3 verses 26 to 30 says this, and they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. So the followers don't like this. We're seeing the following count go down. We've got less people on social media. John, your, your account is going down. The views are down. The likes are down. And Jesus's are skyrocketing. Like, this isn't good, John. What are you going to do? Well, John, the greatest leader, thought and said what all leaders should think and say. Verse 27, John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it 
uh, unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. And so there's two things in these last couple verses that John said that really help us during this transition that we're going through. The first thing is that he said, I am not the Christ. Like John the Baptist makes it super clear. He's like, hey, it's not about me. This is not about me. The church is not about me. It's about Jesus. Like Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the savior of the world. Jesus is the king of God. He is the leader of leaders, especially in the church. And so today, Harbor, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. So John said, I'm not the Christ. And the second thing John said was in verse 30, that last thing, he must increase and I must decrease. So John knew that he was God's leader at a time and for a time. And John knew that his time had come to an end. And so he made sure that people knew it was God's will that he decrease so that Jesus would increase. And friends, God has this in store for us. I decrease so that Jesus would increase. Like this is God's design, that Jesus would increase for you as a church and so that Jesus could increase for me and my family. And so devote yourself to Jesus, not to me, and Jesus will increase in you. You will make Jesus increase in Harbor City Church. I mean, it's pretty remarkable that God works like this. You know, Jesus is the one who changes hearts and lives, and he'll continue to do that as you put him first and you let me decrease. And so we will all get the opportunity. Like all of us are being given an opportunity by God in these moments to show the city and to show Jesus that we are devoted to him and not to anyone else. And so in this transition, remember that the church is about Jesus and he must increase. So the, the last transition that I want you to see is the transition from Jesus on earth to us and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we're gonna transition. We're gonna leave the transition from Jesus on earth to us with the Holy Spirit. And this is big, y'all. This is really, really big. Um, because Jesus had this amazing ministry on earth, right? There are people who still wish Jesus was around doing the same things because Jesus did things like no other because he was a person like no other. He had an amazing following, an amazing impact. Um, the disciples loved following Jesus. But then on the night before he was crucified, Jesus gathered his disciples and he told them something startling. He told them, I'm leaving. And they were freaked out. <clears throat> they were fearful. 
And then Jesus said in John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. They're sitting around the table thinking like, wait, wait, what? How, 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 how could that be to our advantage? Like on what planet could this make sense? But Jesus went on in John 14, verses 16 through 18, Jesus said this, and I will, oh, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Jesus went on, he said, no, no, at the end of this verse, verse seven, he said, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Still a little bit confusing, right? What are you talking about? Well, then Jesus goes on. He says more about this in John 14, verses 16 through 18. He says this, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. This passage is huge. It's huge. Jesus is saying what will happen after he dies and is resurrected. He's saying that he is going to ascend into heaven and he will ask God the Father and God the Father will give you the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus says, right? Verse 17, he says, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Like, what does this mean? Well, Jesus is saying here that he himself has been dwelling with the disciples. But when he sends the Holy Spirit, he himself will dwell in the disciples. This is big. This is big. Jesus is going to give us God's presence in a new way. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus, but now he will be in us. And so what we see here is that having Jesus with you is great because you can watch him. It's a lot easier to follow him. You can ask him stuff. You can talk to him. You can watch what he says and you can imitate his life, all these sorts of things. But Jesus says, having him in you is even greater. It's even greater. This is what Jesus says in John 14, verse 12. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. So because Jesus is going to the Father, he will send you the Holy Spirit who will be God's presence in you. Then you will do greater things than even Jesus did. And so Jesus is saying, you're not just going to watch me do amazing things. You are going to do more amazing things. You remember the passage where Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest person from the Old Testament era, but that the one who's least in the kingdom is greater than him? So who's least in the kingdom of heaven? Friends, it's all of us who have the Holy Spirit. It's all of us who are New Testament believers. 
because with the Holy Spirit, we are greater than the greatest man of the Old Testament era. And we will do greater things than even Jesus himself did in his ministry on earth. This is what Jesus is saying. And if you're like me, you're like the disciples and you're like, hey, that sounds really good. It sounds like Jesus, like this awful thing is happening. Jesus is going away and he's just trying to make them feel better because by the time it all hits them, he's going to be gone and they won't be able to do anything about it, right? There's some cynicism in this. It's like, come on, really? How is it possible that we, like us, you and me, here we are in San Diego, 2000 years later, how are we doing greater things than what we read Jesus doing on earth, right? Doesn't make sense. Well, what are these greater things? I would say they aren't miracles. They aren't miracles. Why? Because most people who receive the Holy Spirit don't do miracles. But they are the miracles. They are the miracles. Most people don't preach powerful sermons that call crowds of people to come to Jesus. But their lives are powerful sermons. Like we tend to agree with the disciples. We disagree with Jesus that it's not better. We want Jesus to do all these things and we can just tell people, hey, go check out that guy who's doing all these things and follow him. But Jesus says, no, that's not my father's will. It is greater for you to be empowered to live by my spirit than for me to live and minister on earth. This is what Jesus believes. Jesus believes it's better for you to live by his spirit here than for him to be alive on earth. Like this is why he went away. He went away to receive the spirit so that you and I would live lives that are radically different from the world around us. So that we would live lives where we honor God, where we love people, where we care about the city. Because Jesus believes that is greater than when he was ministering on earth. And this is a call to faith. And it's good news. Because when you believe in Jesus, you receive his spirit. His presence is with you. His power is with you. In the next season of our church, in this next season, you have the goal of finding a new pastor. Your greater thing that Jesus is calling you to do, your greater thing is to become the healthiest and strongest church you can possibly be. Like that's the greater thing that Jesus wants for you, that Harbor City Church would become even greater and even stronger in preparation for the next pastor. And you do this in person. You do this online. You do this in small groups, our life groups, in relationships with each other. You do this by serving the city in your homes, like by being a different kind of person in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhoods, right? Being a, the, the greater things look like you loving the elders, loving the staff, loving the search committee that will be appointed. And these greater things make your lives sermons and miracles of God's grace. It's so easy for us to discredit and discount 
ordinary faithfulness. But that's what Jesus wants for us. Like Jesus wants to fill the world. He wants to fill San Diego with men and women who love and honor him and are able to go through difficult times and still worship him, follow him, and serve the people around them. Like this is what Jesus says are the greater things. This week I had the, 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 the privilege, it became this honor of sitting down with a pastor and his wife um, they had been planning a church, but last week they had to close down the church plant because it just wasn't working. They didn't have enough people. COVID struck and the whole thing just kind of withered. And while we were talking, the wife said, I guess that voice that tells us that we failed is going to chase us for the rest of our lives. And I was just like, whoa. Like that just landed and I just, I thought, wow, wait, like, how many people have this voice chasing them? Like the voice that you failed, failed in your family, you failed at your work, you failed in friendships, like whatever. Like we have this voice that chases us that no matter what happens, it usually the voice starts with, yeah, but, right? Yeah, but you failed. And I got a chance to respond to them with something that I've learned about this. And I said, it is really hard to have to close down a ministry. It's really hard when you put your heart and soul, your blood, your sweat, and your tears into starting a church. And then you have to close it down uh, and do something else. Um, but I'm learning that God has a different way of measuring success and failure. And it's really, really different from the way that we measure it. Um, we measure success by worldly status. We measure success by worldly way in worldly ways. Um, and what God measures is our reactions. What God measures is how we respond to the situations that we don't like. And how we respond is actually more important to God than what we accomplish. I got a chance to tell them that what's more important to God than the ministry that they were trying to start was the fact that the two of them, even after this ministry, were still serving God. They were still worshiping him. I said, they've demonstrated a strength that no amount of success could ever demonstrate. Like it's easy to serve God and to worship him when things are going great. But when the transitions come, when the changes come, we have an opportunity to show that God is worth serving even when it's difficult. These are the greater things. These are the greater things that Jesus has for all of us. God's will is that you become stronger through this transition. God's will is that this church or church becomes stronger through this transition because you have his spirit, because you have his presence. And so in this transition, do greater things.
make your life a miracle of Jesus's presence. And do this for yourself. And then as you are devoting yourself to Jesus, look around, look around, grab the people around you, link arms, link arms with people around you and help them to get to this place. Ask them how they're doing. Let them know that whatever they're feeling, it's okay. Like our feelings are just indications of what's going on inside of us. And so let them know that their feelings are okay, but that, you know what? God has something in store for us in this next chapter. Philippians 1, I'll close with this. This is verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. May God make it so here in this church. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that at a time like this, your word is not silent, but it speaks powerfully to us, both as individuals and as a collective family. Father, I pray that you would help us, that you would draw near to each one of us. Jesus, we devote ourselves to you. We declare that you are the Christ, and we want to follow you and no one else. Knit our hearts together and give us strength and courage as we move forward. Help our lives, the lives of the people in this church, to become the greater things, the miracles of your grace and your presence, that we can make you proud as our Heavenly Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.